Yes. Try to be more Yeah, we're going to try concise. to be concise. Yes, let's concise and it up. Sorry. Welcome to Elevating the Genre, episode 14. We are your co-hosts. I am Christopher Morrison, and as always, that is... Dominic Ma, hello. Dominic Ma, and we are here to talk about all things that make smart, geeky stuff actually smart and mostly geeky. Uh, it's a celebratory podcast today in terms of, like, we're doing a top nine. Um, we promised ten. We, we lied. We're, we're, we're going with the uh, lucky number nine um, instead. Uh, just to keep our list more pure and just because, you know, um, but we are starting on a huge fucking bummer of a note, uh, literally three minutes before we started recording, which has now been about a half hour ago because both of us had to just take a moment. Um, we do just want to honor the passing of Miss, uh, fucking Carrie Fisher, uh, my one and only princess that I will allow in my life. Um, uh, yeah, uh, just, uh, super bummer, especially obviously because, we uh, looked like she was on the mend, and uh, and uh, we lost a huge, uh, uh, a huge uh, geek influence. Um, and if you hadn't followed her career since Star Wars, uh, more's the pity. Uh, she really became a, a quite a champion for uh, just being an outspoken badass lady. Uh, no holds barred. Did not give a shit. Um, uh, I had the fortune to work at a theater uh, at a time where she brought her um, her one woman show, Wishful Drinking, through, and just. <laughs> She's a force of nature. She was awesome. Um, sorely missed. I don't know. Dom, you want to throw in on that? Yeah, I mean, you know, she could have wrote on just being Princess Leia forever, but she also was a writer, yeah. former. And she, she had that angle. She was really like an insider entrenched in this Hollywood business. Right. Uh, which was always very interesting. And, you know, so she was a she was a princess in certain ways. I mean, yes. she, was, she was definitely came from celebrity. Uh, well, that's true. Too, celebrity yeah. royalty, uh, yeah. but she you know she investigated it and sort of yes. you know revealed things in in that's, just a, yeah. like a really witty and uh, this uh, refreshing way. And it, and on and then her side gig of being Princess Leia or kind of <laughs> right. Of the Star Wars, really, and that's what was universe. what was awesome is that how she's that's exactly how she sort of positioned it. She was just like, "This is a thing, you know. It's my side gig or whatever." And um, I do like the yeah that phrase. She really investigated being sort of a Hollywood insider or royalty, and really, you know, really a, just savagely would attack the sort of the status quo about women in Hollywood uh, constantly. And just even even when she was Princess Leia, if you if you were following her then, and certainly as she got older. Uh, Postcards from the Edge is a fucking brilliant, fucking brilliant takedown of everything Hollywood, really, um, and a, a nice investigation while still being, you know, uh, uh, um, true to her um, her upbringing, really, to be honest with you. So, um, uh, and if you haven't seen that film, I highly recommend that. That's pretty amazing balls as well. Um, so uh, we miss you. Uh, we will miss you. Continue to miss you, Miss Fisher. If I didn't have a fucking fucking movie to shoot in the next couple of weeks i'd probably spiral into a three-day star wars watch um or something 
uh, super bummy. But anyway. Um, we will miss you, Carrie Fisher. God damn right. Um, God damn right. Uh, anywho. All right. So pulling this, try to pull this out of the doldrums. Um, somehow Carrie Fisher is gone and fucking Dick Cheney's still alive. Anyway. All right. So um, we'll move on. <clears throat> so normally what we do is our first our first segment is usually we talk about what's elevating our genre where we turn you guys on to some cool stuff that's either new or new to us um, kicking out in the world. But that seems a bit redundant this week. So we're just going to go ahead and um, uh, pro- jump right into our lists. Uh, also, just sidebar, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, Happy Holidays as well. Happy Holidays. Happy Holidays. Um, and we're done with that shit. So... Moving forward, uh, who wants to start? Who wants to kick this off? We're gonna do a top this top nine list, uh, just just so we give you a little context. We did decide that uh, everything on our list actually is new in 2016. We had a little debate about whether it was gonna be new to us in 2016, which I think is totally appropriate. But we just didn't happen to go that way. Um, and uh, I don't know about your list, Dom, but mine ranges between a bunch of different. Uh, stuff um media i guess um and we're not going in any particular order all right well let's start with the number one which has no particular meaning but meaning yep our number one you why don't you start with your number one first thing on my list all right first first thing thing. yeah first thing on my list um i'm also going i'm also i also kind of cheated a little bit i'm a little under under the gun here like i said I'm, I'm, i'm a little bit stressed about the film coming up so I didn't cheat. I did just sort of comb through my uh, what was elevating my genre list and pulled a few things from there. Um, and I do feel that my list is woefully in, is woefully late 2016 heavy. I I, I tried mm-hmm. to go I tried to stretch my mind back to the beginning of 2016 for stuff, but you'll find a lot of stuff is from late 2016. So the first thing on my list that made it was The Expanse, the um, sci-fi show The Expanse that dropped on Netflix here in Belgium, uh, literally just like a month ago. Uh, I talked a bit, a little bit about it in um, uh, in one in a one of a, I can't remember what episode uh, episode eight. Uh, what was elevating my genre in episode eight? And I just want to say, hey, look out! Good, smart science fiction. You know, grounded in something that's that's really interesting and um, really taking the idea of what would happen if humans do actually colonize a bunch of different places and, um, and taking it to a political level. Um, and I do also want to toot my own horn a little bit here. I had written a, a fucking pitch that was very similar. <laughs> um, that literally was about the asteroid belt, uh, going into a revolt, um, with Mars and earth as a thing. So I'm obviously not, uh, whatever, I'm not a genius, but, uh, uh, I certainly, I just appreciated that people were thinking along the same lines. I was, um, the zeitgeist, uh, the zeitgeist. zeitgeist, there it is, ladies and gentlemen, it's a real <clears throat> fucking thing. Um, whatever, Mr. Young would step in the room and be like, oh, it's not, it's the fucking, uh, collective unconsciousness, but whatever. I don't know. The zeitgeist, it's a thing, man. The standouts are Thomas Jane puts in a really interesting performance. Um, uh, and again, I'm, I'm, I'm rapidly just thinking he's kind of a great actor when he's given the right thing to do. Um, and for some reason, he just kills it in this piece. Um, and I also appreciate that there's a, there's a diverse, there's an attempt at some diversity in the casting there uh, a lot. There's a, an older, mature Indian woman who uh, is uh, who really straddles the line between maybe she's going to be the main villain of the piece and maybe she's not. Um, um, and yeah, 
No, it's just, it's kick-ass and awesome, and I literally sucked it down and, like, I fuck, I think I watched it all in maybe one binge-watch day and maybe had, like, one episode left over for the morning or something, but uh, super good. Yeah, people have been talking about it a lot. I think, okay, good. Deserves uh, in e- About equal proportion with people talking about various celebrities who die. Every, yes. <laughs> and have been dying every day. So there's just a lot of noise sometimes. Yes, there is. Yes, there is. Uh, All right, brother. But yeah. What's up on what's first on your list? Oh, the first thing on my list, one of my favorite things of 2016 was we did discuss on the podcast a little bit in Star Trek Beyond mm-hmm. the use of the Minmay attack trope. Yes. Have you seen that movie yet or not? I haven't gotten off my ass and checked it All out. All right, yet. so I haven't seen The Expanse. Yes. And you haven't seen Star Trek Beyond. Beyond. We're pathetic. You can yeah. take from take from that what you will about our our personalities and priority levels. But I had to see Star Trek Beyond because, you know, just Lynn directed it, and, you know, yeah, yeah. with the Yum Yum F people. Yep. And um, he, did a, he did a very good job, you know, mm-hmm. kick like sort of reclaiming things after the sort of, you know, m- must up kind of, you know, Star Trek 2 with the con thing that they yeah. tried. You know, that second one was weird, right? The second one was anyway. definitely, definitely not good. It's a right. steaming pile of garbage. He yeah. reclaimed a lot of things. And, but of the best part was the Minmay attack. And if you, spoiler, if you don't know what that means, it means there, it's one little Federation ship facing a gigantic armada of aliens. And somehow they get the idea that the thing they'll do is broadcast on an old radio frequency some really loud pop music, and that'll disrupt their communications enough First that of all, they can... spoil this for me. What is the goddamn song? What do they choose? I can't believe you haven't seen this movie. I know. I'm it's... not... Okay, look, ladies and gentlemen, I like Star Trek. I like Star Trek a lot. Yeah. Like, especially The Next Generation. I watched every fucking episode. I'm a huge original... Well, no. I'm not a huge original Star Trek, the original series fan. I, I am a huge... Huge supporter of Gene Roddenberry's vision, yeah. and what fucking and you know everything he did, particularly with Uhura, and a bunch of other things, and and the multiracial cast and all that stuff. Huge supporter of that. The show, I'll just admit, just never really like rung my bells for some reason the way Star Wars okay. did. But I watched it. I I've seen every episode yeah, of the yeah. original series. I've seen every episode of, of the Next Generation. Deep Space Nine. I liked how dark it was going. I just went to college when it hit, so I stopped right, being sure. able to suck it all down. So, anyway, I, 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 yeah, I don't know why I can't consider. I just don't consider myself a Trekkie. I just don't. Um, okay. that's fine. That's fine. I'm, I'm, I'm a mild Star Trek fan myself, but yeah, I like, but I've I like, s- oh shit, I was about to say I've seen every movie, and that's a lie. I think I, I missed. Yeah, there, well, there's some that no one, no one has seen. Obviously, this last yeah. one, and there are few in that last bunch of generation movies that yeah, no one saw. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like Nemesis. I don't think I ever saw Nemesis either. Uh, but anyway, Insurrection sorry. doesn't exist. Insur- I mean- but the point the point is... Please. It's um, the BC Boys Sabotage. No, it's which not. Which falls in line with the whole BC Boys theme that they try to keep in the reboot with Shatner and, Sa- and the BC Boys and that exact song. They tease it early in the movie because... They they find their alien friend who's working on this old ship, so she's just found an old uh-huh. system, and she's playing fucking she's playing fucking Public Enemy, and she's like I like it. I I like this. I like I like the beats and the shouting, and that's okay. a great that's a great throw, throwback moment. So in the climax, 
they're facing certain destruction, and it's, it's somehow they just really quickly come to this idea. And so she, the alien friend is like, let's play the beats and shouting. And let's it just play kicks the beats in. And, shouting, and, and it's sabotage. And of course, Captain Kirk is like, yeah, good choice. And then they charge into the, into the, into the fray. And start like annihilating to, things. To fucking sabotage. Because the alien, the aliens have never heard Beastie Boys before. Yeah, of course. I mean, that's a damn good space song, space war so, song. That sounds it's awesome. A great space war song. It's a great space war song. It's almost as good as I'll admit. Because I actually, I have a space war song that is metalish that mm. was used. Do you remember this? When the Starship Trooper, the original Starship Troopers trailer dropped. It was mm. just like orchestral music. But then for some mm-hmm. strange reason, the second Starship Troopers trailer dropped within like two weeks, but Blur's um, uh, 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 got my head shaved by a tromboche song, which I can't remember right now what the name oh, yeah. of that fucking song the is. Song 2. Blur, Song 2, right? Song 2 dropped, and then they recut a new trailer with giant space bugs shooting into space and alien attacks set to that goddamn song. And it... Oh, yeah. It, yeah, I'm convinced, awesome. especially among my, 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 my tribe, it drove us to the theater to be like, oh, yeah, we have yeah. to see this goddamn goosebumps. Like, that song yeah. and that trailer will forever be stuck in my head. That's a badass Space War song. So I appreciate yeah. oh, the totally. that they went no, to it. No, it was good. That's a good and Yeah, yeah, and there's a special couple. thing in the, in, uh, in, in in choosing a good space war song is, is yeah you know, I mean, you know it's it's a special art and uh, when it happens yeah. it's nice because yeah. it's, it's just usually usually there's no reason for those things to conflate so it's kind of a special occasion yeah either in the advertising or in a right. ridiculous plot trope yep <laughs> the cool song happens while the battle's yeah. happening uh, anyway um, that's that, okay that's, I'm, I am a little I, disappointed I, it's, I am a little disappointed that it's not a a, a female like uh, young yeah, no, female. No, I mean, yeah, it's a little disappointing just because I would because ex- let's be honest because you had mentioned like you know where did this come from you know you thought whatever you were sort of facetious about it but we all know where it came from because Justin Lin is Justin Lin and he probably knows what a mid May attack fucking he's is. probably heard around he's, around the way is yeah definitely so it's a little interesting that they didn't actually go full mid May attack but I do appreciate the sabotage being well, well, yeah, it's yeah, a yeah. good I know, space I mean it's too. a stretch to say the mid May attack because it's a different it wasn't. It wasn't set up as, um, you know, they've never seen a female pop star before or well, heard a sappy still, love song. But that's they, they, couldn't, they couldn't quite get that to happen. Yes, of course, but that's fine. They, you know, what, is Ohura going to start singing, like, you know... <laughs> some Nina Simone <laughs> I've had the time of my life. Or, or, or some Nina Simone tune, even better. Even better. And that's going to, you know, um, yeah, I know, they probably made a few... But it matters, Seems, right? Like the, the so sabotage fucks up the aliens. Like the aliens are like, what the fuck is happening? Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. Again, it's a stretch. It's not. Oh, it's, it's not exactly the same. Like okay. the cultural dis- thing okay. throws them off. It, it's something like they have a hive mind yes. through some kind of swarmy well, radio swarmy thing connection. Is, yes, and this is the way they figure out a clever way to disrupt it. Okay, gotcha. NBC. So it's more a vi- it's more a visual thing. Once the once the oh. ship starts start okay. charging in and sabotage starts blurring, you can see the um, you can see the the well organized hive of yeah. ships uh-huh. start to dissipate and go into yeah. ah, chaos. Okay. Ah, and okay. then the you know the the nice. the ship they're in at the moment. It's not the Enterprise. It's another ship they found. Just uh, okay. rides in and like starts blowing the shit out of them. Nice, great. 
It's great. That's my one. Okay. Anyway. That's your one. Good. All right. Uh, my second one will also be something you, no, not you would probably not familiar with. Um, another pull. Another pull from the the archives of my uh, what's helping my genre, which is um, but perfect transition because it's Ghost BC's Meliora, which is an album uh, that dropped in 2016. Um, Ghost BC is this. Uh, some people call them doom metal band or whatever, but they're a fucking they're a fucking metal band from Sweden, and okay. uh, they are just a. St- all of their lyrics are straight up satanic. That's not what makes them cool. I mean, it does make them cool just because, nah. Um But they, uh, they're, for me, they're just like uh, the second coming of Blue Oyster Cult, um, who did uh, Godzilla and are ma- mostly famous for Don't Fear the Reaper and stuff like that. And if you don't know uh, Blue Oyster BOC's oeuvre, I would recommend you go check out some of their, their, their stuff. It's pretty amazing. And it's, it's this incredibly poppy sensibility with very metal roots um and certainly ghost is even more interested in in the metal aspect of of what they're doing but it's incredibly pop driven um their songs are they're not catchy but they're just like they just won't leave my head um and i've just been just sucking down the album just constantly while i'm in pre-production for this movie and 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 writing and it just gets me excited and pumped and it's just uh and you know, and like I said, it's a little bit subversive. There, there's there's satanic lyrics, and they're literally my favorite part is they write satanic love songs where like mm. they have a star-crossed lovers song who have to appeal to Satan to make their relationship work. Um, they have word uh, word. Um, they have uh, songs just you know generally praising the goodness of Satan and 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 all of these things all set to this incredibly pop poppy sort of poppy metal. Um, uh, but very dark and very uh, at the same time, um, and I just love them again. And their lead singer is in a full face makeup, and he claims to be you know the anti pope. And the band is always in a full mask as well, so uh, they just got a great they got a great hook. And the lead singer's voice is to fucking die for. I have a, a very limited uh, tolerance for male voices for some reason. There's just like this weird band of humans. That when I click into somebody a male voice that I like, I I, I, I tend to fall in love. Um, um, and uh, he's apparently got one of those voices for me for whatever strange reason. Um, uh, it's just great. Um, and uh, Meliora is their album from 2016, and like I said, just that and their second album has just been on, literally been on a loop uh, in my life since I discovered it a couple of months ago. Um, yeah. Chris, I realized we should have done this last week because so it could be a gift-giving guide. Yes, <laughs> We could give it to everyone to go out and buy that album for their loved ones. Yes, right, exactly. Um, but, but, you, know, you, know. you can still buy it for them for whatever, New Year's, yes. Chinese New Year. Absolutely, Chinese New Year's coming, yes, Some, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. This will also be another or, eating or, podcast. Or Satan's New Year, whatever that uh, holiday is. Oh, it's great. Um, yeah, no, uh, check them out if you like. Um, again, they're also, uh, the songs are just ridiculously well-constructed as well, and um and intricate and they're gorgeous. Ghost BC Meliora. You're up. Your turn. This is going to be an eating podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Sorry, I have to eat my dinner. Oh yeah, I'm eating too. Oh great. Uh, my second, my second thing is um, also a Star Trek thing, and it, it is really only a, an announcement. It's only a concept, but oh, okay. I love that they're they're prepping a, a new Star Trek TV series. Ah, right. I heard about it. And they've been very cagey about who's going to be in it, but they cast right. Michelle Yeoh. Yes. Which is gonna be just great. 
Ugh, you don't even know how much I like Michelle Yeoh. <laughs> <laughs> slash Michelle Khan, slash Michelle everything in the world. Um, I just think it's a fantastic idea. I believe she's going to play the captain, and I believe the main character is going to be refocused on either the first officer or somebody, you know, not the captain, as, you know, atypical for the Star Trek format. But that's fine, because it's always been the captain, so they meant. But just, just the idea. The idea of Michelle Khan just like helming a ship, a Federation ship, just, I don't know, just gives you all sorts of clothes. And I'm even saying, like, you know, I'm just not going to, probably not going to go out and like fight and brawl with people. She just has that uh, sort of, you know, a, a regal stature. Yeah, I'm not excited about this in terms of like, oh, great, we're going to see Michelle Yo kick some ass. I'm excited about it just because. A, she's also a, a damn fine actress. If you saw Crouching Tiger, yeah. and Dragon, you know that. If you've seen some of her other work, you should know that. Um, certainly probably one of the most capable and well-acted Bond girls, um, I think. Um, oh, yeah. Totally. And, um, best. and uh, yeah. What was your – how did you first – what was your first Michelle – you remember your first Michelle Leo flick? How did you see Oh, her? I mean, I – I, I'm sure it was that police story, the yeah, super cop same, one. Same here. I think that Just was my first one. Possibly great movie. Yeah. Um, but then I checked out some of her other stuff, like the Heroic Trio, which is I don't uh, think so heroic. I don't think Delightfully I've seen that one. Delightfully ridiculous super, superhero Chinese superhero movie. Ah, nice. Three with with three uh, you know Hong Kong lady mega stars. As oh, these, nice. This weird superhero team. They made oh. two of those. Oh, and, no, uh, I didn't hear that. Yeah. I didn't see them. Yeah. Hero Trio. She's great. Uh, and, of course, we, we like the representation of, yeah. you know, a Malaysian Chinese person who feels worldly, feels worldly in the sense of Earth, mm-hmm. you know, representing all the various, uh, <laughs> the, the, the dominant species on Earth, I'll just say, <laughs> <laughs> being the Asian people. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's just good. I think it's gonna be cool. So uh, I ordinarily might not watch that series, as like as you said, I'm only mild tricky. But now I'm definitely going to. There was some debate whether it was going to be on terrestrial television or something, wasn't there? I'm like, oh, I I believe they're going on a streaming platform that CBS is attempting to launch. Pun intended, exactly. They're probably trying to launch that platform with the Star Trek show. Sure, more than likely. That makes sense. <laughs> okay, there you go. All right, good. Michelle Yeoh. We'd love this from Michelle Yeoh. Uh, another theft from my um, my uh, my pile of uh, elevating my genre. We just have to keep giving it some love because it's just a, it's a fucking killer film. Um, moving into the movie realm for me, uh, Don't Breathe was really just such a pleasant surprise for me this year, um, which is uh, definitely... Uh, I don't know. I guess you'd consider it an elevated genre horror film. Um, it's got a it's got a very basic concept. Kids, it's a home. It's a reverse. It's a home invasion movie that gets flipped. Um, uh, it's just so expertly directed. Uh, also, it's one of these annoying films where you can't talk about it too much, but um, or you mm. kind of spoil ruin it for people. So um, this is going to be pretty short for me. I just want to, you know, just want to point it out. And uh, I think the other thing is it's just it's beautifully acted uh if you like the big muscly dude from avatar um he shows up and gets <laughs> actually gets an interesting part to play uh i can't remember like the old marine from avatar 
Oh yeah, that guy. Okay, who yeah. gets to be right. something else? As well, he's basically still an old, old, muscly marine guy, but at least he gets a, a, a sort of a, a more fleshed out character. Um, and I don't know. I liked his work in this. Um, and the kids, uh, you know, the kids are are definitely more than than just sort of your your generic horror movie teenage throwaway cats. Um, it's a nice. It's a. It's just. It's. It's again. It's one of these things that's just way way better than has any business being. Um, mm. So, go check it out. Don't breathe. Good horror flick. All right, you three. Your turn. My my third thing. Uh, the the movie that was not a huge Hollywood movie that I saw and liked a lot this year was The Lobster. Did you see that one? I saw eighty percent of it on a fucking plane coming back from somewhere. Um, oh. And I literally, I know, and I haven't gone back and checked out the ending. I got to the plane point, ride was too short. No, the plane ride was ridiculously long. I just left it for too long because it was uh, it was an international <laughs> flight, and I watched it last, and I mistimed it. I thought there was enough time to land and catch the ending, but I fucked it up. Um, so I only got to the point. All right, spoilers. Turn off. For, turn off for the lobster. Yeah. Spoilers for the lobster. I got to the point where he joined the outside colony. And like they were starting to party, and like, but you know, he was clearly trying to break the rules and, and hook up with um, Rachel Vice. That's as yeah, far yeah. as I got. So I'm like, fucking. Oh, it just oh, it's it's yeah, uh, and the, it's, and the, it's gets even more damn ridiculous. It. Damn it! And the and the just the very last tableau scene is a wonderfully constructed scene. Yeah. It's one of those like nice endings of a movie that mm-hmm. sums up all the bizarre ideas that are going in the movie, and um. Yeah, just the general concept in in the vein of elevating a genre. It is it it's sort of a science fiction movie. Just uh, it's just more just like a speculative alternate reality where people have to couple up for some reason, um, or they are turned into an animal of their choosing. So you have to, so it's a weird, it's a, it's it and it's wonderfully funny and also you know you know very disturbing and violent in some parts, but. It's just, it's just a nice framing of like we have this you know couple dominated culture basically like a hetero couple normative thing and you got you got to be hooked up with somebody you know biological clock whatever and the, the idea that there's actually a punishment for that that is absurd which is not even a bad punishment if you like want to be a gazelle whatever. And so there are all these animals wandering beautifully around the movie. And I just, I don't know, I just got so much out of that film. I, and I thought it was really, you know, you don't get to see that many movies that are honestly have an imaginative take on something. So many yes. retreads. But this one, honestly, whatever its sources it was borrowing from, it honestly came up with something that seemed like, seemed like fresh in its construction. Yeah, and it's one of those things like that's definitely funded by the Europeans. I think it came out of Ireland, mm. if I'm not mistaken. Um, um, but yeah, man, like it just—it's one of those movies where you're like, I have no idea how this got made, but I'm so glad it's in existence um, and how it got to fucking Colin Farrell and Rachel Weisz and like they—that they—I mean, like how it even got to their desk. Like, thank God it did. Um, because I'm sure that's one of the reasons that it got made and released, and I actually have no idea how well it did um, in terms of like sort of cash wise. But um, mm. it's yeah, like you said, wild, wildly imaginative, and one of these definitely you know that elevates the genre in terms of if you like a movie that 
is so obviously about something like not mm-hmm, all mm-hmm. movies do this right like not all movies have the balls to be like here's our central metaphor it's about this thing mm-hmm. and we're yeah. gonna and we're gonna have fun with it and we're gonna and, and they're just unapologetic about just laying it out there man um and i love that uh, about certain yeah. movies um so yeah no totally agree lobster fantastic yeah you gotta you gotta find the time to see the end because as, yes, as a I fan of I as a fan to. of classical greek structures among other things yeah. i think you will find the end Fuck. quite mo- quite moving yes i got so, it i gotta yeah, check it out just one, one, one of these days i will um, i will for sure uh cool all right back over to me four look at that four we're on four moving right along Four for you okay Fourth thing of 2016 <laughs> really pathetically just happened 2016 but I'm, I'm i'm grabbing it anyway but it also is the first thing on my list not from uh from uh, what's elevating my genre which is the sense okay. christmas special drops uh three days ago i guess so i don't know are you a fan of sensate in general uh, no, I guess I don't binge watch all the things I should basically. Oh no, it's fine. It's, it's, it's sensei for, for what it is. I mean, it's look, I, I dig it. I'm, I'm a hundred percent behind it. It's, it's even as I watched the first season, I was just like, this is rough storytelling wise because it's them trying to figure out how to really try to handle eight leads. Again, for those that maybe don't know without spoilers, it's, um, mm-hmm. it's, a, they're a cluster of people, eight people across the globe and truly actually across the globe, not in like a bullshit American like, oh, there's a Japanese guy and a Canadian, right, or whatever, um, and everybody else is American or recognizably American. Um, truly, you know, there's Ice, Iceland, um, uh, I'm going to be a white asshole and not remember which country the African gentleman is from, um, but anyway. Um, okay. Uh, no, I know. Uh, not I, a white asshole for that. Not for that particular reason. Um, not uh, for that exact thing. There's a Korean woman. There's a freaking. Uh, there's a Mexican film star. There's of course a Chicago cop. There's uh, 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 an Indian woman. <clears throat> uh, so they really end a German and a German dude in Berlin. German thug in Berlin. And they, they can basically sense each other across the globe and basically pour it into their minds and get their skills when certain emotions hit. Anyway, they're all interconnected. <laughs> it's a cool concept. It's an interesting concept. Um, and the show literally, the first season was doing a pretty good job of maybe saying that five of them were the lead, were leads and there were three sort of sub-lead characters at my last count. Um, so... Uh, you know, I, they clearly sort of were "quote unquote" games of thronesing it a little bit. I think I can clearly say that that's probably one of the reasons the way the Wachowskis sort of pitched it to someone, and that people again, again, think of what you want for Games of Thrones. This is one of the things Games of Thrones has changed. Like you can now have a series that clearly has a non. You can actually do an ensemble show that has no central lead. Um, mm-hmm. Of course, we spent an awful lot of time with the white dude, um, Chicago cop, last time. Oh, and there was there's a there's a woman in San Francisco. Uh, who is a transgender woman who is also sort of a nominal lead. Um, uh, uh, anyway, we spent an awful lot of time with him. Anyway, the Christmas special dropped, and what's interesting about the Christmas special is, number one, it's fucking two hours long, which is fascinating. And secondly, it's just such a... It, it does not advance the plot fucking at all, as far as I can tell from the last season. Yay. And it's just reveling in its concept. Like, it is just, like, these beautiful, cool moments 
of each of them sensing each other at different times while certain, you know, mm-hmm. very basic, vague plot element. There's a couple of fights for no real reason outside of the fact that that's a cool moment where all the fighters get to get, you know, whatever. And there's a, like a bunch of sex and there's a bunch of, and there's a bunch of this just sort of lovey-dovey, like, you know, chosen family stuff, um, which is, of course, makes me squishy and squishy and gushy inside because that's such a huge thing for me. Um, I adore my blood mm. family. I love my blood family. We don't have the thing that I have with my chosen tribe family. And this show knows that about you if you're watching it and you're a geek and that's what it's really going for. So it's literally just two hours of me just like, <laughs> I, I, I recognize that feeling. It's so oh, nice to oh. get that feeling. It's literally just just one <coughs> one of those scenes after another. Uh, just piled on for two hours. Uh, obviously, I'm not sure you get anything out of it if you're not, if you, if you're not a Sense8 fan or if you didn't watch the first season, but... Um, it's just a. I also like the fact that it's a little bold of them to just be like, "No, fuck you." Here's two hours of just like we th- what we, clearly what we think is cool is cool. There's also a secret hidden ninja mm-hmm. thing that they have to do with the casting, and it's not secret to people who have watched the show. There's a recast in the in the eight. They lost a cast member um, for reasons, so they recast that person as a new actor. So it also serves as sort of introducing the new actor. Okay. Um, which they do hang a massive lantern on, of course, uh, just to be snarky and funny about it. But uh, hmm. And the other thing Sense8 really feels is that it feels like, and again, this is just my massive assumption because I actually haven't read anything from the Wachowski siblings about it, um, is that you know the Wachowski siblings are now the Wachowski sisters or just the Wachowskis. Uh, right. and they started off as the Wachowski brothers, for those that maybe don't know, and they, both, they have both now transitioned. Both um, of them. Both of wild. them have transitioned. It's wild, and uh, apparently this the 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 other brother, not Lana. Um, I'm sorry, I don't remember his, her name right now. The uh, transitioned during the second season, so she's not really involved as much with the second season. But the Christmas special in particular, but Sense Eight in general, outside of the fact that there's a there's an M to F transgender in the in the in the show really just feels like it comes from that perspective. Um, and again, mm. maybe that's just because I know that, but there's yeah, yeah. something about uh, being an outsider, chosen family, um, being, um, yeah, it just feels like it comes from a pair of transgendered minds um, creating entertainment and particularly geeky entertainment content. Um, and that's cool. I don't know. I think it's rad. It's cool that way, and even if the storytelling isn't to my taste at all times, that's it's awesome to get a new. It's awesome to get that perspective. I think. Um, so the Sensei Christmas special, it's just a bunch of yeah them reveling in this creation that they have, and it's pretty cool. Ah, and I, you making that face in the audience? Uh, definitely, that face you were making was the face that all artists hope that their audience makes at one point. Yeah, and that's that's face that makes it all worthwhile. <laughs> do the bubbly, do the blubbering face one more time. You were just your bunch of I couldn't. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, that's, I was a, that's what we're all hoping for, man. I was a pile. I was a pile as I was watching it just three or four different times. Um, so, yeah, fun stuff. Um, fun, emotionally based stuff. Um, there you go. Um, you're four. No, oh, wait, you're five? You're four? You're My four. number four is yeah. also very recent and fairly obvious, but um, 
I like Rogue One a lot. Ah, uh, like Rogue One a lot. There you go. Uh, seen it two times now. Um, yeah. And yeah, it uh, the, the the plot stuff, the inconsistencies, the sillinesses. No. Yes, they're more evidence on the second viewing. But the things that I was rooting for to be satisfying, like the team formation, uh, the the centrality of Turrets in Bays. Yep. Everyone getting a big, magnificent seven kind of moment. I was more sort of aware of of, of Bodhi's arc and the whole thing in, uh, in the second time and that's funny. I was a little bit more aware of Bodhi the second time, the second viewing as well. Well, I think I just understood what was happening more. The beginning yeah. is very jumbled plot-wise, you know. Yes, like, it is. Yeah. And you could be like, you could easily bounce from here and there and go, I'm not really sure which these two. And because in Star Wars, it has a special thing. You, you don't know who is important because everyone's a fucking cool-looking science fiction creature. <laughs> you basically, you know what I mean? If you're if you're coming to a new movie. And you're being introduced into to the characters. It's you really got to work because you're always yeah. like perfectly like, oh, like that guy's dressed really interesting. Yeah. Maybe, maybe he's maybe he's the hero. Yeah, Forrest oh, Whitaker's this- uh, uh, Saul Guerrero's um, right hand dude. I yeah. just I just wanted to hang out with that guy forever, even though apparently he was. A yeah, dick. exactly. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I want his action figure. I, I wanted to know more about him. Yeah. Right. That guy was great. Um, and then and then they're like slowly, you know, yeah. You absorb that Bodhi's the central part of that bit, but it, um, yeah, and um, and uh, and uh, of course, there's been like a million different counter stories of what they reshot and why they reshot it, and yes, backstories of certain people well, suffered. I do think they did. I I thought it was lovely to begin with, Jin's actual backstory because I just think that makes, for me, that makes her just a superior, superior character to to Ray because I can't stand that they're gonna tease us with whatever Ray's backstory is for as long as they can tease us. Just like that they gave us a person with that's where she's coming from. And I know you, I know about your. We had the rants about your dad issue things. It still stands, but but I still, uh, but I still loved how it all came together. And I basically just loved how I love the magnificent sevenness of the end. I thought it made and the way it made the first. It, somehow makes the first moments of A New Hope, first 15 minutes, like, that much better with all that behind it. Because, it's, you know, it's literally ending, like, like two minutes before the next movie starts. Anyway. I mean, that's, so, also, that's also one of the, just not to throw water on this bridge, that's also one of the things that I just, I, I didn't need. I didn't need the direct bridge for whatever reason. However, okay. the fact that they gave me scary Darth Vader in that moment... Yeah. Yeah. Th- that truly horror movie Darth Vader. I mean, they could have yeah. taken it up even a little bit more for me. But they, the fact yeah, that they, they gave could've. me a moment where, oh, this is the guy we're all supposed to be afraid of outside of the stupid choking bit. Not the stupid choking yeah. bit. The choking bit is terrifying. It's awesome. <laughs> but the fact that they finally added on to that, because especially at the end, of course, the first time Vader shows up, he he, he space chokes the guy. And you're just like, okay, yeah. whatever. Um uh, with that horrific button line, but whatever. Um, but then when he's in the fucking blockade runner, he's that moment is probably maybe my mo- my f- most favorite Star Wars moment of oh, of sp- oh, since great. since so the first great. three movies since the first three movies came out. Yeah, that's probably my favorite Star Wars moment because we finally get what everybody's scared of, you know. And again, I get yeah. it that you know back in the in the eighties maybe they couldn't do it, but yeah, that was. 
And it's so much scarier than George Lucas's bullshit end of episode three Lookie's Frankenstein moment. Which oh is, yeah, 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 totally right, right. Which doesn't work at all, right? Which is just yeah. pitched weirdly because you're like, what do the Universal horror movies have to do with this? Which is the answer is absolutely fucking nothing. But yeah. when you get Darth Vader all of a sudden using the Force to fucking throw a dude on a ceiling, fucking right, drop just him mow down, through, spearing a guy players. in the door, and then the door opening and the the blade staying there and the door ripping through the blade. Oh uh, like, yeah, what is was... that doing to that guy's insides? Then you're like, fuck yes, that's the horror yeah. that you want. So good, it was so good. It was that like moment is fantastic. Yeah, yeah it's like um, intense action, just well started. You know, you know, of course. There's blackness and he and just, just appears and the out of it. The lightsaber uh, lights him up and like, and it's terrifying. And those you know those rebel dudes are just like, they, like you saw them have the same expression in New Hope, but now it's even it was it's so ramped up. It's like oh god, we're gonna fucking die. Gonna, we're gonna we're fucking, gonna fucking murder die. all of, of us. us. And he does it, and and, it's and you have to feel it, and it yeah. so it informs so all that yes. much. And even if it's flaws on a movie on its own. It, mm. I think it does a wonderful thing of informing, like a piece of, like a add-on patch to Star Wars Four. Right, and I mean, and that's what we're, that's one of the things, and we haven't quite done this yet on this podcast, which we're I think we're gonna end up do. We're gonna, excuse me, which we're gonna end up doing, ladies and gentlemen, which is we're gonna take moments and pieces that elevate the genre, right? And that's I think yeah. that's the thing. It's like, and also this is a smart geeky thing to do, which is like, okay, I don't like the overall movie, but that thing. Mm-hmm. makes mm-hmm. you excited and that's one of that's the thing that makes me excited for mm-hmm. me and it's like that is an elevated genre moment that's a that's a wonderful Absolutely. crossover genre moment in a Star Wars film because again also this is personal preference that's what I wanted going into the Star Wars film I wanted a crossover genre film and I think some people got that like you got the sort of the war movie at the end that you wanted like I went in wanting a heist mo- a Star Wars heist movie because that's what I thought it was mm-hmm. going to be which is dangerous, of course, because whatever. And they didn't give me that. They, it's definitely not. It is possibly the the antithesis of a heist movie because they literally go, we're just going to land there and figure it out. And it's like, there's no plan? Wait, what? But at least they bothered to cross over horror with Star Wars in that moment. Right. With the right character, in the right moment. Unlike, again, that like, just, and it, it helps to point out where it doesn't work, General Grievous from episode two, is it? Mm. Like, doesn't work. Should be that it, guy. Should, should be, be that. Like that. He yeah. should be terrifying, but he's a joke. He looks. Yeah, he looks ri- like a fucking. He looks like a. Pez dispenser. Yeah, he looks ridiculous and. And he does stupid shit, like comes in with his head really close to the camera in, in an yeah. attempt to make it horrific, and it doesn't work at all. Um, he's not scary. The only reason he's scary is because, oh, fuck, he's got four arms and four lightsabers. Like, that's the only thing that scares me about him. Yeah. So the fact that they really hit a nice horror movie element in a Star Wars film is awesome. And that yeah. elevates it for me in that moment. Absolutely. Yeah. And, um, and I'm glad you said that because when the next thing is on my list are, in fact, little bits of Actually, things, that's, not, not, not whole. Oh, Tom, we're simpatico because my next thing is, in fact, a little bit uh, as great, well. Great. My number, uh, what are we on? This is five, one, two, three, five. four, five. Is <laughs> thing five, <clears throat> thing five, and the next thing on my list is a bit because I don't think I mean the movie's certainly certainly good and enjoyable, but like I I don't think it's elevated elevates the genre at all. Is the airport fight from Civil War? Um, um, so uh, I certainly no spoilers for Civil War. All of the heroes get together, and their first big 
uh, what we would call splash page moment uh, is this total splash page. total splash page moment uh, is this airport fight that happens where you know Cap's team is on one side and Iron Man's team is on the other and they just and they go they go at it um, also with mm-hmm. the intro- that's how they introduce Spider Man as as web swinging mm-hmm. Spider Man um, in the film as well and it's just kind of perfect it's pitch perfect it's and it's a typical Marvel movie fight right like it's it's funny it's non-consequential in terms of damage to people but things get destroyed on an epic level um everybody switch partners people switch (laughs) partners there's an epic level of uses of original uses of power um Mm. which is great um and of course, I guess there's a bunch of Easter eggs for people who play the video games, and I don't do that. So apparently, there's like Easter eggs for people who do that. Uh, and like, yep. Apparently, there's like yeah. team up powers from different video games. Hey, whatever. I could give a shit about that stuff just because I don't know that stuff. So that I just read about that. So hey, that's I don't know. Good yeah, for them. Good they for drop those. those into, yeah. Every one of the movies that has more than two superheroes in it. They, yeah, do they? they, they do it. Yeah. yeah, I don't but, know this. So um, I've never played those. No, games, not a big so. deal. Not a big deal, but it's but it's right. nice that they do it, and it and it's and it's and it elevates the genre simply because it knocks the ball out of the park. Like in terms of being well shot, it's not too much shaky cam. There's a little still a little too much shaky mm. cam for me around Captain America, yeah. Black Panther, fisticuff stuff. Still, yeah. will never understand why they don't just treat it like a martial arts movie and set the camera back and let it down and let these fucking amazing uh, people do their job. But whatever. Um, uh, but um, it just flows nicely. There's a great sense of space, and there's always an update of the goal in the fight. Um, yeah. We will have Dom and I will eventually do a whole podcast on like elevated genre fight scenes. Um, yeah. But just know from my personal preference, I need we need to be updated on the plot. A fight should move the plot forward. Um, and this, <clears throat> and even though this is a little bit more of a goal oriented plot in terms of Cap needs to get to a plane to leave, kind of a deal. But we're constantly updated as the fight goes on uh, about where they are in relation to the plane and when when are they going to get to the plane and, and all that stuff in a really very good way. Um, while servicing a little bit of character, particularly with Spider-Man, um, mm. and a little bit of – you get a little bit of character from Ant-Man because these are also going to be their last moments in the film. Um, it's a mini yeah. climax for – a movie yeah. that ostensibly has, I don't remember what it is, 16 fucking heroes in it or 12 or whatever. Right. You know, it's very intelligent that they're going to wipe out like the Falcon, Ant-Man, Spider-Man, uh, Scar- I think I think this is the last time we see the Scarlet Witch as well. I think it might be the Vision's last scene. They wipe out a whole bunch of people. Um, right. And not, sorry, that's not a spoiler, ladies and gentlemen. I don't mean they kill those people. They just, they don't appear in the movie again until they're, until much, much later. It's they a boil n- it down back to a Captain America movie. Exactly, right. At Which, the time when it's necessary. And it's really smart. It's just beautifully executed. Yeah. It's uh, it's really smartly, it's just really intelligently done. Um, okay, well, Chris, here's what I want to ask you these things. And it's funny because my mm-hmm. next two things are either a fight scene thing related thing or a thing related to Civil War. So I don't even know what to say. say. Okay. But, but I was thinking of you. I was watching that movie because, uh, especially yeah. in the fighting in the in in Civil War, does it not seem like they're often absolutely correct me if I don't know what I'm talking about? They're often starting with the same kind of mm-hmm. one two combo dodge dodge. Uh, ah, could be. You know I haven't I, noticed. You know Good for you. Yeah, I mean, no, I haven't. Not noticed. in that. Not in that scene. I think because it's not. 
You're right, mono and mono. Because it's it's sort of team on team, and yeah, it's a little, it's it's got a lot more things going on. But I think there's, I think looking back at, on having watched Civil War a hundred times by this point, yeah. like some of the fights are just filler fights. Yeah. I think there's a certain formulaicness to it, especially when it's like it's funny Bucky versus Cap yeah. or Cap versus some goon. Yeah. And I I just remember at some point you told me like about these sort of standard like, I don't know what you call them like just. Set pieces, this sort set, of set, I mean, starter, just like interchange. Oh, interchanges, interchanges with fights or something like that, man. Yeah, 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 just, yeah. yeah. Just like a, a thing that is like sure. a quick way of like denoting okay, a fight is starting. But yeah, mm-hmm. yeah anyway, that's interesting. Anyway, now would, that you say that, I, re- I I seem to remember like a lot of low angle up on someone either backing up and dodging or throwing, like you said, a one-two. It's ringing a bell, but that also could just be you planting that fucking image in my head. I don't know. Um, <coughs> Dominic yeah, just incepted me. mental powers. Yes, Dominic just incepted me, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I, I'm afraid I did not make that observation, but I'd have to go back and look. And I, I must I think I've only seen it twice. I've only seen the, the movie twice or maybe three times. So Okay, well, I'm, I'm the guy who has it playing on their ah, TV a lot. Well, yeah. So sometimes I look at it like, oh, it's that fight. Again. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's this right. fight. This fight I like. But no, that's the uh, way you catch that kind of shit is out of the corner of your eye. You know what I mean? Yeah. Sometimes, you know. Um, so it's entirely possible. Um, and yeah, yeah. And, and a movie with that many fights. And again, I don't know. I haven't watched any of the like the Marvel ancillary materials on DVDs or Blu-rays or whatever. So right. I don't know if it's the same fight fight people all the time. I don't know who the right. stunt team is. But everybody gets into ruts, man. There's a lot of fights, man. Yeah, sure. So right. everybody gets into a rut once in a while. So maybe, you know. right? It has that feeling of like they're you know they're on a schedule and they're like, okay, what are we gonna do this? Oh, let's let's just start out. We usually do where it's like right. one, two, dodge, dodge. Right. And I swear it happens at least three times, and they were probably just like, it's entirely. We possible. gotta have this. We gotta have this fight going. So yeah. Um, yep. Absolutely. Um, but anyway, okay. So if if I may, then I will. We'll segue into my next thing, which is a bit about fighting. I thought the coolest Marvel fight this year was the Daredevil fight in the stair. Oh, uh, yeah. It's a good one. I thought that was... Because ele- at what my at this point, my my interest in Daredevil was wavering a little bit. I was a little uh, anxious about how they were going to handle some things. Um but I, I thought the stairwell fight with all the biker gangs, I thought that was a good one. I thought it... Um, did you like that one? I did, I did. Uh, just, just, just reset real quick for people who maybe don't know. It's in season two, Daredevil, ladies and gentlemen. There's yeah, it's in season two, Daredevil, right. Yeah. In season two, it's like episode two or three. He's, he's on the roof with the Punisher. For some reason, there are a bunch of like huge, dangerous-looking biker, biker dudes, dudes coming downstairs, and yeah. they're basically rushing up to get Daredevil. And and it's nicely orchestrated because somehow Daredevil's got Punisher unconscious, although we yes. don't know why that was so easy. Yeah, and but wait, Punisher's also snapping for some reason. Also, don't forget Daredevil has a gun, a handgun taped to his right hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, that's the other thing to remember. So he he's gotta he's gotta. I swear to God, I know I'm wrong about this, but people will understand. The right people will understand. Is that a Videodrome reference? I don't know, but. Um, Like I think I, I do like, not know. I was like Matt 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 Murdock is in video is James Woods in Videodrome all of a sudden. He has a gun hand. Anyway, um I think it was just a great thing to 
to complicate Daredevil's situation. Right, there. Exactly, of course, of course. However, I mean, it had a plot function too, and I thought it yeah. was beautifully set up with the with the elevator and that shot where like they're about to get away in the elevator, but then the stupid old man comes out of the door and is going to be killed, and Daredevil runs back just to yep. fucking protect the old guy, and then and the I mean, and and then the gun comes into play, yes. and it's kind of a you know, moment that can be read multiple ways. I didn't quite, I still didn't quite get it. He's, he like, he like pulls the trigger. Yes. Yeah? Yes, he does. And no bullets. No bullets. And yeah, exactly. So it's a character. And then he's, so ladies yeah. and gentlemen, you have to remember, so the, so the quick setup is that the Punisher is trying to convince Daredevil he needs to murder, he needs to kill in, in his, right, right, right. in his superhero career. And so this is all a setup, right? It's actually an incredibly yeah. lame plot point that turns into this amazing fight scene which is also kind of one sure, of the sure, great sure. things about it which is that the Punisher has arranged for these bikers to show up to so Daredevil can murder one of them by to prove a point it's really stupid logic but then it ends up in this right, crazy right. wonderful moment and then Daredevil and it ends in a really strong character moment to save someone's life Daredevil's willing to shoot this biker guy right. um and it but it's the but the gun's empty so now daredevil has to right. live with that consequence because i think it's epi- this is episode like four of ten i think four or five yeah, it's early it's, it's, it's early it's pretty early story. it's like three or four um yeah so it gives it gives daredevil a real a real strong interesting moment to right. sort of mull over and uh, and for me like the the even more interesting moment is he pulls the trigger and nothing happens mm-hmm. and he just gets that crazy look like and it makes like, him more angry I, yeah I, I'm gonna fucking enjoy this. Yes. <laughs> or I'm just gonna go like Buck Wild now. Yeah. And that was, for me, the saving grace and all the noise about Daredevil, blah blah blah, preachy story, blah blah blah, white hero, blah blah blah, whatever. I think that guy does a really good job, or whoever's wearing the costume during his fight scenes. Yep, um, I, absolutely. He, he plays that edge of that guy who kind of really likes to fight. Yes. Absolutely. And gets a little gets the adrenaline going and then he just goes fucking nuts yeah and, and to me that yeah. sells it that sells the idea of mm-hmm. how how daredevil could happen yeah and also He's, and this is not a small thing for me this is a huge thing for me in fact i was just what was i just watching where i was like this sucks oh it was a z nation episode not that z nation uh, sucks but it's not great but there's a uh, moment where there's a bat the badass gets captured and gets beat up and then has to go off and be a badass but that actor or that director chose not to carry the pain from him just getting his ass handed to him into the next fight, mm. right? Mm. So, mm. And that's something Daredevil does all the time, which is nice. Mm. The, the wounds stay and he has to deal mm. with them um, right. and they affect him. And, and the thing right. that they ride on a little bit is that he maybe likes it a little bit, right? Not just the fighting, but he maybe likes the masochist. He's a little masochistic as well. They're, they, they weave that. It's, yeah. it's a darker thread and... I, they don't play with it a lot, but it's there, man. Um, and the actor yeah, totally. does a great job of carrying the pain into the next thing, um, which is a really important, which I think is a very elevating thing to do for fights. It, it like you said, grounds it in a realism, even though we've got yeah, guys absolutely. fighting ninjas and flipping over backwards, and you know no fight would ever go down this way, but at least it grounds it in this place where we can really worry about the hero a little bit. More context for those that maybe don't have it. This scene also artistically is is a sequelized one up of the hallway fight from season one which is also a fantastic piece of fight choreography if you haven't seen it but if you view it in that context as well that it it 
they they're they're artists out to outdo each outdo themselves right it um which right, is a right. nice thing and it's also nice when someone actually kind of pulls it off you know like right um and doesn't fall prey to just sort of sequelizing it's just big for big sake or whatever right right, right yeah uh, you know and i actually prefer this one because i mean i know they both have their references i i thought the first one was great but i felt it was a little bit trying too hard to be the old boy scene even though it's shot from a yeah. different angle conceptually sure. it's like yeah. the old boy scene Very but you mentioned so. that the stairwell scene is like a scene from the tony john movie as as well a right a little or, bit i mean you could say again they're they're borrowing from i mean it's also like they need a confined space where the fuck would a confined space fight happen so a hallway a stairway sure. so yeah there's right. there's the tony there's ongbok uh sorry not ongbok uh the T- tom young gong which came out in the states is the protector um, the ninth movie in the yeah, states the called time. the Protector, um, which is a one take, uh, which is a one take up the up the up the flight up a flight of stairs. Uh, brilliant, wonderful scene. Um, mm. So yeah, mm. I mean, and also it's cute. They're going downstairs. Maybe it's a little winky mm-hmm. wink reference, um, mm. but you know, whatever. I don't care. It's they're two totally different things, um, as far as I'm concerned, and whatever, whatevs. Okay. Well, anyway, that that, that was a good. Great, oh, it's a good moment. It was a good call, man. I can't. Yeah, that, that I can't believe it didn't make my list. Uh, In a problematic Daredevil season, that was a great. Yes, great bit. Great bit. Great bit. Um, uh, next thing uh, I'm gonna go with is uh, is another album actually uh, by okay. by uh, uh, and it's from, again it's we're going I'm dipping back into my um uh, uh what's elevating my genre list it's uh, by the Devin Townsend Project called transcendence uh god damn and again much like the meliora the ghost stuff just these are the things that have been on my just fucking repeat i had just been downloading that shit into my dna over the last couple of months and it just gets more beautiful as i listen again it's another happens to be another male lead singer that like i just fucking just adore completely very different than um the ghost lead singer devin townsend has literally an operatic range and he's never afraid to use it but it's not he can go from deep uh like full-on cookie monster lyrics like growls to to this unbelievably pure operatic epic sound with his just with his voice and this and it's no secret he's a he's a he's a he's been he's been diagnosed bipolar and this album is uh and this album is him just honestly talking about like a lot of different things with that a little bit more with that a little bit with that journey about finding self peace inner peace literally it's a fucking anger mm. it's a loud metal album about inner peace and for people that don't understand metal heads this makes perfect sense because a lot of metal heads are fucking new <coughs> what do metal heads listen to when they want to come down ladies and gentlemen they listen to fucking enya and classical music mm. all right mm. and if you know any metal head they're fucking big medieval fucking warriors in their inside and they just want to be puppy loved on the you know uh, uh, on the other part of them is they just want to be puppy loved and they want it and a lot of us are thoughtful cats Devin Townsend also you know goes so far as to occasionally put out a fucking new age album you know that's just a pure new age hmm. new age album um I also just realized that it was called his last one was called Ghost funnily enough was the new age album he put out so this album is actually and it sounds crazy it's new age music and metal music fused together all under and it's called transcendence for a reason and it's not some goofy like oh it's an album transcendence it must be a a thematic metal album about aliens no it's a fucking it's a thematic album about uh, this artist trying to find his steps to inner peace and like and sharing that journey in metal and new age music fused together it's on a lot of people's top 10 a lot of a lot of metal album top 10 lists uh it deserves to be so 
Uh, just fantastic. And just if you are a fan of like, like I said, just like artists who are not afraid to be epic and at the same time self ref, uh, self exploratory, it's just beautiful. And the music is just will get you the fuck up, man. It will make you want to conquer the world. It's fucking fantastic. Um, while you're conquering inner space as well and becoming self-actualized and happy. Um, anyway, it's awesome. Is it, the movie, is it the music you would use in your Space War scene if you had oh, a Space War scene fuck. to direct? He literally has a couple of albums. So he ha- he does have a... he does ha- He's created this really ridiculous character named Ziltoid who is this little tiny space alien, megalomaniac space alien that comes to Earth mm-hmm. because he loves coffee. Uh, it's a bit mm-hmm. of a joke, but he has space. He actually has operatic space battles in two albums, two different albums, Ziltoid mm-hmm. and Z two, the, the Return of Ziltoid. So there are. He mm-hmm. sort of scored his own operatic space battles already, so that would almost be redundant. But yes, he would be perfect. Yeah, there's a couple of al- a couple of songs that would be perfect. Um, anyway, D- Devin Townsend Project Transcendence, good shit. Okay, over to you, brother. Are we on things six? Are we on thing six? I think we're on thing yeah, six. Fair, One, two, fair, three, four, five, six. Yes, you're on thing six. Yeah, fair warning. I'm, uh, you know, power on this thing might run out soon, and I bet we couldn't go on a half hour on each of those things. So I'm gonna yes. try to be more. Yeah, we're gonna try concise. to be concise. Yes, let's concise and, it up. Sorry. Um, uh, six. I will add um, my music thing. I got I got to see Prince in his final tour. Oh, uh, fuck. what turned out to be his final tour. Yeah. I went to see with Gabby in oakland uh, it was a weird it was a weird thing that it came together nice um and so i just want to say it's in so a very extreme form of elevating a genre was this thing where these bunch of these musicians seem to write their own last acts oh. of their lives yeah do you, do you know what i'm talking about including uh, bowie right that's right yeah black seemingly yeah. very deliberately yeah um orchestrating the release of his last album about death and mortality uh, along with the announcement yeah. that he actually had right a critical disease yes he seemed like he planned it out pretty pretty precisely uh leonard cohen sure. a similar thing last yeah. album yeah. and he passed away and wow, i can't yeah. help but think that this is i can't i can't think this is coincidence that that when you get to a certain point you if you can see your own end coming, you want to have some sort of artistic thing to sum it up. And in, in Prince's case, I don't think it was planned like that. But I, because I've been look at, lucky enough to see Prince several times, it was very interesting seeing this concert where he's just playing piano by himself because you you really got the sense that he had done it all. He had done... He was doing this kind of concert because... In a, He'd done everything that one could. He didn't need to do another big, like rock and dancey concert. He's done twenty thousand of those. Yeah, literal. He put it. He put it to himself as a challenge. If I could, yeah, I could just sit up here with a fucking piano and even just kind of walk around the piano sometimes, and not mm-hmm. even like, and just sing like thirty seconds of my songs. Could I hold the attention of a sixteen thousand person <laughs> arena? Just as I think that was this challenge for himself. And of course mm-hmm. he did. I thought it was, you know, I thought it suffered. I thought it wasn't the best Prince show ever, but I got where, you know, I saw him. Like, what he was doing, yeah. Anyway, so that to me, yeah. And also all the other pop stars who died and lost and, 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 and created their own final act. I thought that was very interesting. Yeah. And of course. Yeah. So that was my number six. Number six. Musically. I, yeah, I, 
Yeah, we could talk about that for fucking hours. That's for sure. Uh, yep. I think a little bit uh, in terms of that. But so I'm going to let that pass. I think that's a that was a beautiful we, 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 we can take it up again. We'll take it up again some of the time because that's brilliant. That's a lovely idea. Um, so my my number seven is a bit is a bit of a cheat. I'm just I'm going to say um, the comic book saga um, fell into my life in 2016. The only reason I I got it I let it on this list is because it's still going in 2016. Uh, mm-hmm. I, and I did certainly get the um, <clears throat> the the number six graphic novel. Um, just have fallen in love with this piece. Um, Brian K. Vaughan tends to be a hit or miss for me, and and but this one is just such mm-hmm. a fucking bullseye. It's insane. Um, it's one of those ideas that I'm just like, I could have written this if you just given me the time. Like, I'm like I would have gotten to this story as well. Love it. Science fiction, fantasy, Romeo and Juliet, but just all with yeah. lights hung all over it in terms of like knowing exactly what it is without being too postmodern and winky winky. Um, even though it's massively winky winky most of the time, it somehow winks without being a douchey wink. I don't know. It's it's he's juggling a lot and it's fucking wonderful. Um, sex positive, drug positive. Uh, well, maybe not quite so drug positive. Well, a little bit drug positive. Um, uh, just just it's a giant pile of geek in the same sort of way that Stranger Things is a little bit. Um, and I know that wasn't your favorite thing, but it's 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 a love song to just a geeky shit and a love song to writing in general and books and authors meeting people who get their work uh just which is just wonderful there's literally a moment where an author stares into the panel and he goes you got my book (laughs) like that that's so wonderful um so saga brian k vaughn saga great uh my number seven i'll I'll mention the comic book uh, that we mentioned on the show before uh the John Carpenter mashup of Big Trouble in Little China and Escape from New York, which I can't say I read all of it. I don't know what happens, but the premise is so completely wonderful. I'm going, you know, I just have to. I, I I read the first issue. It's written by Greg Pak, who is well, Tease is going to be a guest host on the show eventually. And um, you know, we had our whole episode, and you know, two of our favorite movies, just thrown together in comic book form with two Kurt Russells sort of <laughs> having an issue with each other and Wong's there. Yeah. Uh, Come on. So how could I be more sold? Wonderful idea for a comic book. Done. Really long title. Yes. Thing, but great. <laughs> really long title. Obnoxiously long title, but wonderful True. idea for a comic book. Absolutely. And that's all I'll say about that. Number, yeah. number, number eight. Number eight. Uh, number eight is a, just, is a, is a concept of, uh, and a weird one at that. Well, not a weird one. It's a, it's a perfectly normal concept. It's but it's a concept. Um, I just want to say that VR is becoming a real fucking thing in the world um, for the mm, first time, mm. and it's gonna it's actually happening. And I know we've said that literally since Lawnmower Man, um, but we were lying back then. <laughs> we have, uh, we have, uh, and we've been. Why wrong. is it true this time? Why is it true? It's true this time simply because of a couple of things. Number one, Facebook uh, is behind it. Is behind uh, has bought Oculus Rift. Um, and is, is actively pushing, making Facebook a VR experience. So when you have one of the biggest companies on the planet pushing it as a thing, an actual thing, things are going to change. Um, the technology is there. It's, it's affordable right now. If you don't know what a Google, uh, Google cardboard is, you can get a Google cardboard, slap your phone in and have a VR experience in your home for less than $10. Um, But the, that's actually not the thing I'm actually talking about. Not just that the VR is happening, but what is exciting is that VR is happening right now and that women are really welcome in the space and are doing amazing work in the space. Um, unlike the video game industry, which uh, when it started was already had locked women out of it entirely already. Hmm. 
the VR space, however, is so wide open um, mm. and has uh, such a plethora of experiences that isn't just gaming, but women are creating VR games as well. But there's it's such a wide open platform in terms of, uh, let's be honest, it's a new media that's coming. That's the other thing that's unbelievably exciting. This is the birth mm. of film, ladies and gentlemen. You are living mm. through the time with the birth of cinema, the printing press, this is a new medium. And right now, of course, we're all stupid and we're all doing the stupid thing, regular things with it, which is making TV shows and making films and making games with it. But trust me, someone's going to come along and create an experience that will change, uh, that will birth a new media. Um, it will happen. Um, and whether you think that's virtual tourism and some people are feeling that that's, that's the life-changing thing, whether you think that the VR is which has already been proven to help with trauma is the, that thing that we're already talking hmm. about. But I really don't think it's happened yet. I think we're going to birth a new medium that's going to, there's going to be something that lives between a game and an experience that literally could affect your daily life. I don't know what that's going to hmm. be, but I think it'll happen before we die. Um, and what's cool, like I said, is that everybody right now is welcome into the space because the old white men haven't quite figured out how hmm. to monetize it yet. So let's all hope that um, that keeps hmm. happening. Um, so yeah. That's my, that's my number eight thing. I just realized I probably should close with that, but I've got a pretty awesome one for nine as well. Anyway, um, there you go. Well, that was very hopeful, and my my number eight <laughs> thing is sort of, sort of a downer because uh, I couldn't get through a list of this year without mentioning how Trump basically ruined everything and just everything, including yes. and uh, basically I, I'm just calling back if if you want if. If you listen to someone, I go back to our superhero politics episode or whatever the episode was where I discussed my encounter with the alt-right community over the fucking Ghost in the Shell trailer. Um, that was... Uh, so, I mean, just to sum up briefly, you know, please, like, fucking, you know, Trump surprisingly through, you know, some conspiracy of... <laughs> Hugely awful people somehow. Anyway, he's one. He's he's the president of the United States. He has these weird supporters. They call themselves alt right. They're they're neo Nazis or whatever they are. They're neo Nazis. But and of course they also watch movies. They also yep. intake culture. Yep. And some some of my articles on Yom Yom F went viral through some of them because they have their opinions about the Ghost in the Shell movie too. Trump ruining everything is going to extend into every part of our life, including culture. Yep. And you'll have movies doing worse things than they should be doing and movies espousing mm -hmm. political viewpoints that you're just like, what the fuck? How did that get in there? Because yeah. it's somehow socially approved now. Right. So I think we just have to be on watch for all these things. I really didn't like the yep. movie Arrival. Uh, I, I'm in the minority there. Okay. It's being... It's being... You know, it's being uh, it's being groomed to be on the Oscar track, and everyone fucking loves it. I okay. think the movie is secretly xenophobic and misogynistic Ooh. Trump oh. propaganda. Oh, I'm just shit. not sure how no one noticed except wow. me and a couple of my friends. Okay. So these wow. are things I'm watching out for. Ghost in the Shell movie looks mm -hmm. like it mm -hmm. will be crap for various reasons. It might be even crappier than we expect. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. I'm just, yeah, I don't know why. That's a, just a thing that has to be mentioned. Okay. Um, it's not really so elevating. Except it's elevating no, it's people. It elevates well, it's, because it's, 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 it's asking us to elevate our game, right? It's also asking us to elevate yeah. and not let shit off the hook. Yeah, like, I mean. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing I think we can take away from this. Like you, we have to be, and remember, ladies and gentlemen, we live in capitalist societies. You vote with your fucking wallet. Be careful of what you give your money to. And if you smell a rat, don't give it money. Like, just don't. That's like the only, that's the thing, right? I mean, yeah. so yeah, I, I'm happy to say we are, you're talking about elevating our genre. We have to elevate ourselves a little <laughs> bit to elevate our game to hold ourselves to a higher standard. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Especially in response to, you know, the times to come. Possible yes, absolutely. Real, real threats of, from all directions. 100%. Um, 100%. There's, um, there's another argument that says all music is going to be good for the next four years because it'll be... <laughs> <laughs> no Same, one wrote protest comedy. songs against Obama, really. Right, exactly, and yeah, and, and, <laughs> com- and comedy will be. Just be careful with the comedy thing, ladies and gentlemen. Comedy's yeah, easy. Yeah, yeah. Comedy's easy yeah, in these yeah. times to take refuge. That's all. That's all I want to say about that. Um, yeah. Go with all smart right, so. com- comedians who are actually making statements. Um, anyway. Uh, yes. So an my point. other, my last thing after that is is also pretty hopeful. Um, and it's it's um it may be a minor it's a minor blip for a lot of people, but it's a, on uh, on the other hand. I think this has the potential to be as earth-shatteringly important as this source material was for me when I was eight. So my cousin from Australia comes uh, from Australia. Sorry, my cousin who's moving to Australia. His family had gone over. He came to stay with us for a little while, and he brought a little thing called Dungeons and Dragons with him. Uh, a couple of books, and those books, the Dungeon Master's Guide and the Player's Handbook. Became, and the Monster Manual kind of became like a bedrock um, for me, visually and mm-hmm. experientially. And when I say visually, I mean the literally there are f- pictures, illustrations in those books that if I see them today, either in the books or outside of the books, I feel wonderful. Like it, it makes – the discovery comes back. The ch- mm-hmm. joy of childhood comes back. The joy of that stuff comes back. Now, being a cis white het, het, het male, I, that was very easy to identify with a lot of the pictures. They were mm. mostly of white pe- white looking people, and they were mostly of and it was sexy, sexily clad white women, and and all of these. And sure. while there are demons and bugbears and fucking and and fucking underworld creatures and <clears throat> and all that stuff. So when the fifth edition Dungeons and Dragons books drops early this year or middle of this year I think um, it's it was a non-event for me because I haven't been playing D&D consistently for years and I honestly I'm an AD&D guy I didn't even play 2nd edition or 3rd edition or 4th edition or any of that stuff mm. but when the word came out that <clears throat> the illustration for the human race in that character to, in that book was a black female was mm. The the relevance of that was just very powerful for me. It was mm, it was yeah. a company taking a moment to look to its a, a wider base of of gamers and mm-hmm. say we include you here. And the response mm. was on online was huge, and it, and it trickled into my feed, and and it just made me very proud. Number one, to be have been you know be part of a community that was that was making that effort. Um, because make no mistake, that's a huge effort to hire an artist. I assume the way this went was they hired an artist and didn't say draw us a human. They probably hired an artist and said draw us a, a, a black female for this page, you know, like, or not, or maybe it went the other way. Maybe they said they hired an artist to draw us a human, and this is what came back, and they said, "Dang, beautiful, mm. let's do it," mm. you know. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. That's just 
But either way, awesome. it's either way, exactly. Either way, it has, it's there's a lot of reasons. Oh well, I didn't know that happened. Ah, and I, I'm I'm yeah, that was a great surprise for the Latins, and I'm glad I am so glad you mentioned that because you know that's such a huge thing of it um, with the uh, with the you know talking about privilege and you know uh, just the relationships with people is the uh, recognizing yourself in in in, in heroes and pop culture is such a big thing, and you know. A lot of a lot of white dudes do take it for granted, and you know, yeah. I, it's hard to imagine the power of that I mean, when you really recognize yourself and yeah. the guy in the comic book or the guy in the movie. So yeah. it's nice. I mean, so yeah, and people, but and now people are playing D and D again, like motherfuckers, you know, like yeah. these in there, these hipster kids, they're all over the D and D again. Yeah, man. So it's great that they someone recognized that the that that sense of inclusion is very powerful and could be extended to. Yeah. Um, all, all peoples. That's great. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I just wanted to give a shout out to, uh, uh, I guess, Wizards of the Coast yeah. is still the people that, are, that now own that. Um, for my old TSR people, shout out. Uh, but now it's owned by Wizards of the Coast. So the fact that they, they, they did that was awesome. Awesome. Okay. Just awesome. Brother, bring us home. Good job, what you Good job D&D. Good job, oh, D&D. Um, yeah. My last thing is very simple and gets back to civil war it's hopeful towards the future um no i really like as people may know i'm a huge spider-man geek yeah i like that they had spider-man show up in civil war without an origin story boom (laughs) to me that kind of elevated yes that this superhero genre we've been tossing around for what like 10 or 15 years now can we all just agree we get it we finally (laughs) Yeah, we finally did a new thing. That's what would happen. In this world, Spider-Man would just be a guy out there, another weird guy that we've been looking at at YouTube, and we just got to find him. Yep. And you just assume, and even like the way they shorthanded it with uh with with this kind of nice, you know, funny scene between him and Tony Stark where they get totally. real character moment. You get to yeah, see man. the kind of contrast of those two kind of guys. I thought it was such a beautiful bit of, um, uh, you know, economical storytelling for this thing that we should already know anyway. And I was yep. just glad he didn't, yeah, he didn't go have to go into the radioactive whatever and some spider bites of again. Who cares? He's just he's fucking Spider Man. Yeah. He's fucking Spider Man, and he has these problems, and let's yeah. let's deal with those problems in the now. Yes. Anyway, so I was. I was Totally agree. Thank God. Yes, we can. We can. We we literally. If I hope that does signal the death of the fucking origin movie, we don't need it anymore, ladies and gentlemen. Let's move on. At least we're um, the ones who have already had an origin movie especially, twice yes. already. Oh God, yes, please, Jesus, horse on a bicycle. Um, absolutely. Okay. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that is it. That is the awesomeness that was our 2016 deliverables to you. Um, yeah. Uh, it's been an awesome 2016 for me. And also this, terrifying. And terrifying. Way, yeah, it's been a horrible 2016 in a lot of ways. But I mean, for this podcast, for me and this relationship with this podcast, it's uh, been something I've been literally kicking around for years in my head. And, and, and yeah. I want to be honest with everybody. When Dom finally came into my brain, it's like I was looking for a co-host. Like, who fucking finally, when, you, when your name finally popped out of the pen, I was just like, yeah, duh. Why did this not happen earlier? So... I want to thank you, brother, for uh, for for jumping on board with this, and uh, it's been it's been a super pleasure. Um, yeah. So yeah. I really appreciate it, Chris. I, I, mm. I just having 
I, I think it, it's been it's been a great time in our our, our, our talks. Always. <laughs> Uh, their fist thing, thing. whatever that fist thing. The thing, thing. their fist. I, 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 I've, I've, I've run out of words for it, but it, it's, it's, it's great. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, the other big announcement is that uh, I have to go uh, for about a month um, to go do a little project called Joanne, my first feature film. I will be filming in January, which means we're handing the reins over to Dominic. Uh, Dominic is going to fill you in right now about how all that's going to go. Yes. Good luck, sir. Thank you. Chris is going to go make a feature film in fucking Europe because he's classy like that. <laughs> so that's, so that's going to be awesome. Um, so in the meantime, um, uh, probably in January in some form, we'll have a bunch of guest hosts. And the ones I have lined up at the moment are um, our colleague uh, MC Fuenalot, who we may have mentioned uh, now and then. He's a, yeah. Uh, Godfather of nerdcore rap, which is wow. known to its like second generation of younger nerdcore rappers. Unbelievable! Yeah. Um, we'll uh, probably have the comics writer Greg Pack, who we've talked about quite a lot, um, and we will probably do a special show just on the Hulk. Nice. The Hulk's legacy, uh, the Hulk's meaning and culture. Nice. The various, you know, what the Hulk means for Hulky, hulkiness in general. Yes. Yes, yeah, says hulkiness. For men, for women, whatever. Nice. And because because he's a very stylish writer in the Hulk, and yes. um, so he would have an incredibly important insights mm-hmm. on those things. Nice. Um, again, my friend Katie Gilmore, who's a big fan of the of '90s cartoons, and that I'm not oh. so versed in. So we're gonna find some middle ground of cartoons to discuss. Cool. And probably a guy, H.P. Mendoza, who is a local filmmaker and musician. Mm-hmm. Who is also a huge geek and is well known for, um, well, let's just, he made Colma the musical. So ah. if you're from the Bay Area, that should mean something to you. There you go. There you go. I am insanely and, uh, jealous that I'm not going to get to take part in these conversations, but I am insanely excited oh. to hear the oh, results, yeah. man. That's going to be awesome. They'll, they'll be good. They'll that's, be good. And, they, and, they, and who knows, they may come back and be part of our larger squad at some point. Absolutely. That's so. not, squad? Oh my god, do we get to build a squad? We, we might be building a squad. You know, this is first we have to get out of <laughs> my bedroom and your room in Brussels eventually. Yes. This could be idea. the first step of assembling the, uh, you know, the elevating <laughs> the, the uh, Avengers. The ETG squad. Oh, yeah. that's kite. Oh, wow. That's oh, the places will go. Oh, yeah, the places will go. That's fantastic. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Um, thank you. We ran a little bit long, uh, but uh, mm-hmm. I think this is great. Um, uh, as always, we're working on our stuff as well. You can check out uh, jo- Joanne. Also, is uh, doing a crowdfunding right now on Seed and Spark. Oh, yeah. um, please do check Seed and Spark. Seed and Spark. S e e d a n d s p a r k dot com and find us. If you want to toss us some bones, that's great. Dom, anything? What do you What do you want to throw out here in this holiday season? Oh, um, my things. Karaoke Rhapsody dot com. Yeah. A novella I'm working on called Twelve Valentines. Oh, and good title. I'm, I'll t- <laughs> I'll just say this to <laughs> uh-huh. just to tease you personally a little bit. Yeah. Somewhere in the midst of of next month, I may end up shooting a horse short too, or a horse short. Ooh, <laughs> your script or somebody else's? Com- completely, completely, organically, accidentally. Yeah. By uh, oh. um um. Just a thing that happened that is probably going to actually end up happening. That is awesome. So cool. Not um, to hear about that. Yeah. So, but we'll have more details on that later. Sweet. So we might 
Yeah. Awesome. So you're shooting feature. I might at least be shooting a short, or maybe a web pilot, or one of those things, Literally. a shorter thing. Anyway. A thing. So, cool, man. Awesome. Ladies and gentlemen, of course, remember, if you like us, we love you. Please leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, uh, it helps other people find us. We also got the Facebook page, Elevating the Genre, of course. Um, we got, if you're listening to our wonderful voices, we have faces as well over at YouTube. If you're on YouTube and for some reason you're tired of our faces, you can always find us on iTunes and or the Stitcher. Um, and as always, comment, like, subscribe. We'd really, we really appreciate it. Um, and, you know... Happy New Year and stuff. By the time you hear from us again, it'll be 2017. And uh, Happy New Year. Yeah, Happy New Year. And I leave you in Dom's capable hands, ladies and gentlemen. And I'll see you, see in you on the other side. See you on the other side, brother. Cheers. All right. Bye. 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 Something just incepted me, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, because I have mental powers.